Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer, another Baseball America Prospect podcast here. We're rolling through our our, our rapid, our start, slow start, fast finish uh, look at the uh, the top tens in every organization. And today... We're talking about the uh, the NL champs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, which still have a very solid farm system. Before we do that, though, we do want to remind you, it's funny, we're talking about as we get ready to do this, like, man, it feels like it was forever ago that we wrote these, which it wasn't. You know, we didn't actually, we finished the book just a couple of weeks ago, but that does mean that the Baseball America Prospect Handbook, we're rolling out, we're finishing, we are putting the finishing touches on the last top tens in the magazine to this week. That We will have locked in the last top 10, unless there's a trade before we post it live next week, but we will have locked in the last top 10 in the next couple of days. But we finished the prospect handbook. It's to the printer. We are now getting into the that area where it's not too long before we'll have our hands on the actual, the book, the prospect handbook. And you and, can too. And we do want to remind you with that. That means it is the perfect time baseballamerica.com slash store by your prospect handbook, the 2018 edition. We've been doing this now. We've been doing this long enough that a prospect born at the time that our first prospect handbook came out now can appear in the prospect handbook. First time we, we finally you know reached that point. But just a reminder, you can go to the baseballamerica.com slash store, order your prospect handbook, and as we often get the question, why would you order it from us? Well, there's... Two main reasons. Main reason number one is you will get the supplement. You will get an additional prospect. If 900 prospects is not enough for you, we give you the 31st prospect in all 30 organizations. So we get an, you get 30 additional scouting reports. And by the way, Dodgers fans, the Dodgers number 31 prospect is really fun to look at. I actually suggest specifically for you guys, the supplement's worth it. And then beyond that, the other thing is, is that if you order it from Baseball America, we promise you, you will get it. If you order it I should say, before it prints, before we have it, I promise you, you'll get it in your hands much before anyone else. And that's because we get them direct. And then it still has to go through the warehouses to the distributors before it goes to the bookstores and before it goes to the Amazons and all that. And so you order it from baseballamerica.com, you're going to have it. And anyone who's ordering it the other ways is going to be still waiting weeks after that to get it. So that's all our little spiel on that. But we're going to dive right in. The team that produced two years ago, Corey Seager and Julio Urias. Pretty good one-two punch. The team that produced last year, Cody Bellinger. Here we are with the Dodgers. And that's back-to-back rookies of the year. And the thing about it is, is I would not say that they're favorites to go three for three. But they have multiple candidates who could fit into that discussion because... Obviously, the Dodgers won five straight rookies of the year, 1992 to 1996. I uh, Can you name them, JJ, because I can't. Okay, so Piazza. He was not the first one. Oh, no, no, I didn't say. Oh. You didn't, you didn't I'll, I'll go in order. order. Okay. Right. I'll give it to you in order. Ready? Okay. Eric Karros, 
Mike Piazza, Raul Mondesi, mm-hmm. Hideo Nomo, and the great Todd Hollinsworth. Yep. So, so that's where five in a row. They've got two in a row, and then they, you know, they were also at the very tail end of that. Went out rookie of the year, but they produced Paul Konerko and then traded him away for, for uh, Jeff Shaw. For Jeff Shaw, yeah. but so that was a farm system that kept producing the hits. So let, let's see. This. Could we map out five straight here? If you were to tell me that yes. Walker Bueller wins it this year. Mm-hmm. Followed by. By the way, and do I don't think Alex Verdugo would, but you Alex Verdugo gives you a fallback option there too. If you were to say those two, Cabert Ruiz. So that's where the tricky one comes in, and that was I, we'll get into this more. But I initially had Cabert Ruiz uh, penciled in as the Dodgers, you know, catcher for our 2021 lineup, and Matt Eddy, uh, our great numbers man slash uh, now uh, ex- executive executive editor, yeah. co-executive editor, pointed out that. He'd be 21, and the number of 21-year-old catchers to get the majority of big league at-bats is virtually non-existent anymore in this decade. There's mm-hmm. only, I think, two since the year 2000. And part of that's just because we look so much for catchers, you know, obviously their ability to hit, their arm strength, but so much of it is can they receive at a major league caliber level. And that takes a while to really get the hang of learning as pitchers. So I think it's going to be interesting if Ruiz is – there by year three or four, I, I think it's possible, but I do think it'll be interesting to see if he gets enough at bats. You know, if he only plays ninety games like a lot of other twenty-one-year-old mm-hmm. catchers do, he's probably not going to win Rookie of the Year, but he'll cross that rookie eligibility threshold. So, I, I think I mean if, it is tough, obviously, to back actually, up. Here, here's here's the guy I think would actually do it. Probably better chance to do it. Yusniel Diaz. If you were to tell me it was Walker Bueller slash Alex Verdugo this year. Yusniel Diaz is your uh, 2019 National League Rookie of the Year. And then you get into Cabert Ruiz. If he's getting enough at-bats at that time, I could buy it. No, that's, I could buy it. Again, I, the thing that just jumps out as we look at this, at the state of this farm system overall, it's not as good as it was at its absolute peak because... Uh, two years ago when we are talking about this, you were talking about Corey Seager, Julio Urias, and then you had guys behind them Cody like Bellinger. Cody Bellinger and all. And at the time, Seager was basically as good as a, as a prospect as anyone in the minors, and Urias was the best pitching prospect in the minors, or right there. So it's that is a hard bar to clear. It's still one of the top ten systems in baseball. But you look at it right now. And they also had Jock Peterson at that time, yep. the big leaguer. Scott Shebler, by the way, yep. who's had a nice little career at the, with, the, uh, with the Reds. They had guys, 2015 uh, system. So uh, Willie Calhoun, who's now the top prospect in the Rangers system. You know, I mean, they, yeah, they're, again, this has been a system that has consistently produced talent. But the thing that stands out is as we sit here going into 2018, perfect place to start it off is, okay, I'll put it to you this way. Kyle. Could you make the case that Walker Bueller is the best pitching prospect in baseball right now? Doesn't mean you have to, but could you make the case? Sure. So the case with him is when you take into account fastball with both curveball and slider, you have a pitch that draws an 80 grade on the fastball with two secondaries that draw 60s. You could argue the only other pitcher who we've gotten grades like that on is Shohei Otani. You could then say, Walker Bueller is the guy who. Mm, I, will well, say, I will throw Forrest Whitley. You got, in that. you got one on Whitley. I should say that too. But with Bueller, say okay. Well, Bueller's the one of those who's actually pitched in the majors. Right. And the difference, has, the differentiator between say him and like that. But when you say that, like okay, we're talking about these other guys at the top. Kopech 
it's one breaking ball. Keller, it's one breaking ball. He has two. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Alex Reyes, it's a, the, the changeup started playing plus, but he's coming off Tommy John. Yeah. You can say, we don't know how it's going to come back. So, yes, there are scouts out there I talked to who, especially non-Shohei Otani division, absolutely believe that Walker Bueller was the best pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, you heard comps like Tim Winscombe, Tim Hudson. The one that actually works for me is Roy Oswald. Again, skinnier guy. You know, people keep talking about Walker Bueller is small. He's 6'2", it's just very thin. It's he's not like it's, he's not 5'10", 170. No, no, no. It's, and that's where I usually, like, with Oswald, like, I kind of, he's taller. Like, when right, I think, a little taller, but but the same general, uh, you but know. But, yeah, the build is both, I mean, Bueller gets his velocity from a, uh, it's not a, you know, we're not talking about a Tristan McKenzie build, but we are talking about a, a from a thinner build. Absolutely, and it's interesting watching him. The word that kept came to mind when I watched him throw it was it's elastic. It's almost like a rubber band. It's so it's it's velocity. It takes some effort, but he holds it. And that's where I think a lot of times when people look at velocity and they say, "Oh, it was effortful. Oh, it was effortful." A lot of times it's because that means it's going to drop off. His doesn't. We saw a lot of evaluators. Now he didn't pitch a ton of innings this year, but when he did get into that fifth, that six, we still heard from evaluators he never dipped below ninety six. He he still held. 96 to 99. And he he locates it pretty well, which is the other thing that you hear with effort. Like, okay, are you muscling up to do it, but you're really pitching almost beyond your ability to control it? No, he doesn't do that. So I think at the end of the day, yes, you can make this argument. Combination of stuff, control, zipped through the system. I do think there is an argument there to be made. In terms of he's where, in that discussion. Where, where where he plays into this next year, the main thing with him is just going to be building that durability. We talked about it. You know, he came off Tommy well, John surgery. He th- he's never thrown more than ninety five pro innings. Talk about the perfect system to be season. in for that. Is that the Dodgers are a team where if you told me that they thought he was ready, but they only thought he was ready for a hundred to hundred and ten innings. Wouldn't shock me at all to see the Dodgers basically with a couple of DL trips and all that. You know, they, ha- they have the pitching depth. They don't need him to come up this year and be a workhorse. Them. He's thrown ninety three and two thirds innings his entire minor league career. Had Tommy John surgery twenty fifteen. Pitched only a couple of innings twenty sixteen five to be exact. And this year, while it was a great year, you know, shot from high A all the way to the majors. 88 and two-thirds innings, a lot of strikeouts, not many walks, everything, everything you wanted to see. But part of being that major league pitcher, that major league ace starter is I can take the ball every five days. I can give you six innings. I can do that over 30 starts. And that's just something that he's going to have to prove and, and, but, and get more but I durable. Will say, let's say he never gets there. In 2018... If this was 20, 2001, let's say that he's... You still... Most of your no, best starts you, are still you know, throw him 150 innings but a no, year. But, I'm, but my point being, though, most teams, I would agree. We have seen with the Dodgers, though. Like, if the Dodgers are continually going to contend, I'm not even disagreeing with you, but my point being that is, is that if you told me that he ended up being, because a little bit, you know, again, the durability, he's had some injury issues in the past, TJ, and he's a little bit thinner framed. If you told me that he ended up being a guy who gave you, you know, spent a couple trips on the DL during the season and all. And you only gave you, he gave you a really good 120, and then he gave you five really good, you know, five innings in the, in the, in the playoffs. This is a team where I think that they would rather have that than the more durable guy who's more of like, okay, 
He's not as at his best. He's not nearly as good. Like again, ideally you want the Kershaw who does both for you. But even if it's not the Kershaw, you can get the guy who you can still get a really good walker ability. Your and your priority is yes, we want him to be a guy that as at his best can give us 160 to 180. Oh, I'm saying no, I'm disagreeing with you on that because I think the Dodgers would rather have an exceptional 120 than a pretty good 160. And I'm not saying like Walker Buehler may not be able to give them an exceptional 160, but I am saying this is the organization to me that looks at it as we're going to have seven to eight starters, plausible starters most seasons is their plan. And they look at it as, again, because this is a little bit less conventional organization. Like I, the way I put it is, is like, Again, I guess I'm, what I'm, I'm getting at like, is the per, they want the exceptional 160 to 180. And that there are a lot they, of scouts who believe being, he can do that. Right. But I'm saying also, though, if he ended up being Lance McCullers, where you say, again, and again, I think Bueller could be better than this. But if he ended up being Lance McCullers, where you say, when it's all said and done, he's really going to struggle to give you, he's going to spend some time on the DL. I think that they would rather see him at those 96, 98s and not be as durable then they would see him be more of the 93, 94 he was pre-injury and give him more innings. Because I think those innings are less valuable to them than exception, being exceptional. Well, and that's where scouts a lot of times didn't make the case from being the best pitching prospect in baseball when he showed them the ability to hold that 96 to mm-hmm. 99, where it wasn't a case where he was dropping 93, 95. So I think that's where the Dodgers have this faith that, hey, he can be a guy that can hold that, can be affected into inning 150, inning 160. We'll see how the health right. works out. It's going to be a process. But I do think this is a guy that, look, if he's not your number one pitching prospect in baseball, he's on the short list he's of the in top the three. Absolutely. Top, top, he's no worse than third or fourth. So I think the Dodgers, considering this was a you know back of the first round pick. Great pick, it's, great development it, story. It's, it's really worked out well so for them. So Alex Verdugo is number two on this list. Yes. Now, Alex Verdugo is... Uh, a guy who's moved pretty quickly. I mean, he basically, 2015, predominantly low A, but got to high A. He's made, he's 20, Jumped 20. straight to double A in 2016. This year, triple A, made it to the big leagues. A little bit overmatched at times in the big leagues, but made it to the big leagues. He, he did get a few games at Ranch Cucamonga, but yes, he's moved He moved, He's moved quickly. This is he's guy. moved very quickly. I mean, you would basically say he went from hello to full season ball in 2015 to the big leagues in 2017 as a second-round high school pick. That's a, that's a fast ascent. What is it? What do you see Alex Verdugo, what does he have left to do? And kind of what is his role, especially when you look at the thing that I just look at tough for him is, is that, especially in, on an organization that does still have some pretty good outfield depth, especially if some of the guys who were, they had a, you know, a couple guys banged up last year who may be back in that pick. So there's two things he needs to do. Needs to do. The first on the field wise is scouts want to see him develop a little more loft in his swing. They saw a guy who no one questions. It's a really smooth swing. It's an, you know, really, really just. It's beautiful to watch in a way. It's smooth. It's easy. You talk about all the cliches about the great ones make it look easy. It's it's a line drive stroke. It's direct to the ball. It's rhythmic. There's timing. Most evaluators think this is a guy who can be a 300-type hitter. Right now, there's not a lot of lift in his swing. It's, it is that flat line drive stroke, and evaluators generally want to see, even if he, there's a, they do believe he can stay in center field, there is a, a segment of the scouting community out there who does believe that. But even for a center fielder, they want to see a little more in terms of the power production. Uh, he was in 
the Pacific Coast League this year. Oklahoma City's not, you know, Albuquerque, Reno, et cetera, Vegas. But six home but, runs in 117 games. Right. And it's something where that's that's what he needs to do on the field. But I think that will come with time and strength. He's 21. He turned 21 during the season. He was 20 years old on opening day mm-hmm. last year. So I, I think this is a guy that, that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who, who, who believe that the strength will come. I'm sorry, he, he was, uh, yeah, he was 20 on opening day, excuse yeah. me. Um, off the field, it's maturity. That's always been the knock on him this Which year. Which, again, and this he's year, 20. He, he's not mature. But, partly well, but, but part of the issue was, even in the context of a 20, 21-year-old, mm-hmm. it was lacking. That came up multiple times. And, and mostly, so I want to start by, we got to talk to him at the prospect pad. Mm-hmm. And one of the things with him was, it, it's not like he's an immature person to talk to. You talk to him, he knows what's going on around him. He knows the game. He's not... He's not an immature person to talk to. It's been in his actions. Uh, on the field, it's come out. A lot of scouts doesn't – they don't see him play hard, doesn't work at it, um, kind of messing around in the dugout when he needs to be focusing. We, you know, it's at times they've said it's hurt his team in terms of his base running, what he's doing in the field. Uh, when his buddy Willie Calhoun got traded, uh, apparently there was, there was some bad body language there and some poor, poor reactions to that. And it played on on the field – then that translated off the field to we saw when he got called up this year, he showed up late. Uh, Rich Hill dressed him down very publicly in front of reporters. Uh, so you hope the message starts to, starts to get through a little bit. Um, again, he's not immature in the sense of he's a bad person or is rude or disrespectful. None of that. It's just... A lot of the effort, making sure I'm on time, giving it, you know, 100%, you know, every time I'm out on the field for my teammates. Um, you know, even when he was was coming out of the draft, I remember when he was in Rancho, you know, it was pretty soon. I talked to a lot of scouts there, and they said they thought it was it was really an issue that dated back to his days in Tucson. Uh, they felt like he was always kind of the king of Tucson in that area, and they thought the community around him was not a good place for him. They thought that it really um, was not the best place for him to be in terms of his development as, as a person in terms of how he was treated and, and everything in that community and so getting to the big leagues it's been a little bit of an adjustment hey you're not the king of the hill you're not the big man on campus you can't just do anything you want the and thing, it's taken time the thing that he does face is is what we just talked about also is is that and we don't know like i mean again we got to see where are they going to go with yaziel puig jock peterson but this is an organization that has enough outfielders that he is going to have to earn that spot more than just hey your you're, hey you're our number two prospect we want you here and and I think he will you know this is a kid that I think we've seen a little bit of growth Dave Roberts talked about it uh, during the winter meetings the talents there uh, there's a he can play a really nice left field more than a few evaluators said they did see enough in terms of him playing center field natural instincts for the ball uh, obviously his arm is is a cannon that's what everyone's always loved. Above average runner, first step is really good. Uh, so you say, hey, this is a guy, you know, the ultimate projection, if everything goes according to plan, 320 home runs, center fielder, left-handed hitting with a cannon for an arm, that's a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. And we talk a little bit about the Dodgers, you know, Chris Taylor was playing center field for them. Also, he did okay, but that's not his natural spot if, you know, in a way that, yes, he's going to have to earn it. But on the other hand, center field is open. Jock Peterson has not held on to that job offensively or defensively. 
Andrew Tolles. We'll see what he looks like coming back from his his knee injury. We'll find out, but it was a significant knee injury. We'll see. I I do think there's an opportunity there, and now he's going to show up to camp, and it's going to be on him to seize it and show, hey, I've matured in how I conduct myself on and off the field. I've made some swing adjustments, and let's see if it happens. But the fascinating thing with this is, is that looking kind of pulling back a little bit bigger picture, you just said, like, okay, they have Puig, they have Peterson, they have, you know, Verdugo now fitting into the mix. Tolls is coming Tolls back. Tolls is coming back from an injury. And then beyond that, they trade away Willie Calhoun, who was a left fielder, uh, you know, in the in the U Darvis trade. But they still they still have Eusenio Diaz, still have Jaron Kendall. They still now further away, got some refinement to do, but DJ Peters. This is an organization that's still like, again, Kendall. Kendall has to, you know, he's further away because he was just drafted. But at the same time, first round pick out of Vandy, you kind of, you at least hope he's going to move relatively quickly. Absolutely. Diaz already has, you know, some, some, not much, but a month of double A time under his and belt. Played really, really well when he was there and in the fall league. So you have guys. The the point being, this is this continues to be an organization with. Really good depth. Not all these guys are going to end up being Dodgers regulars because, you know, some of them are going to flame out a little bit. But also, some of these are probably going to end up being traded because they're going to, at some point, if they if they all develop like they hope they do, they're not going to have room for all of them. Well, that's where the Dodgers really separate themselves as an organization. When you look at what they have on the major league roster right now, and then you look forward down into their system they can have a lot of these guys bust and still be okay. You look at some other teams around the game with, you know, quote-unquote deep systems. If half of the Padres guys bust, if half of the Braves guys, if, if half of the Padres top 10 busts and half of the Braves top 10 busts, as much as there's depth there, it's problematic given what they have at the major league level and how far away some of these right. other guys are. The Dodgers, if they have half their top 10 busts, they're still National League West champions. How many, I mean, let's, be, let's just look at it. Again, it doesn't mean that they may not some positions go with a younger guy and trade the older guy. But when you look at what they have right now at the big league level and, again, understanding this is an organization that price tag is not a significant... Uh, Although they are working to get under the luxury tax. But they're trying to do basically a reset is what they're trying to do. They're trying to get it down so they can reset it because the, the rules that basically would allow them to start, you know, ramping up again, which they're going to need to because those Corey Seager, you know, con, that Cody, Corey Seager arbitration is going to be an expensive arbitrate. But this is not an organization that has a whole lot of openings coming open. The one, the one spot that kind of has an opening that they don't have an in-house option for is second base because they really are weak up the middle. And that's the one spot in this organization. When I say up the middle, up the middle infielders. Right. And then, you know, they, they right. have, yeah, they have a young shortstop who ideally should be playing that until, you know, he eventually moves for to another. third when Justin Turner is too old to play third, but you know, or is we're still a couple years away from right. That. Yeah. No, they're in great shape. And, and, but with that, the other thing that stands out is, is, Ben Badler for us has been an Austin Barnes guy for a long time. And we saw Arizona State. We saw last year for the playoffs, Austin Barnes just won that job. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It wasn't because of injury. It was that they determined that in the playoffs, not every day, but generally, Austin Barnes was the guy they wanted to catch. 
and the thing that stands out is is so you have Austin Barnes who I don't think I don't see him ever being there aren't many catchers nowadays besides Yadier Molina, you know, who's a hundred and forty game catcher, but he is a guy who's gonna play a, a part, a significant part of that catching situation, you would think, for several years to come. A little older, so he's, he's gonna hit but... he's gonna hit thirty quicker than you think. But the other thing that jumps out is is you look at this top ten. We talked about Cabert Ruiz, we don't know how he may take a little longer because the bat's going to probably be ready before the glove is. Right, and that's the biggest thing right now with him. Um, a couple Dodger fans during the course of the year chats were asking, you know, so good, X and Y, and they kept throwing the word plus, plus defense on. And I think there's a misconception. Talking to evaluators around the game, there's above average, but it's still coming. They saw, at times, good hands that, you know, was able to handle velocity and good breaking stuff. At others, he wasn't. Some thought it was just a product maybe of lack of focus. He's 18. It, you know, Those things come. His arm plays down. So there is some work to do on the defensive side. All the ingredients are there, but it will take time. This is not a guy who – it's probably not a one-year deal. It's going to take, okay, let's get him a year in AA, maybe a year in AAA, and then break him into the majors slowly. Now – if he keeps and if hitting. he does that, he'll be a 22-year-old big league catcher. Right. So, I mean, this guy is, uh, again, is supremely talented. He's one of the best prospects in baseball, one of the, one of the best the, catching prospects. I, I do feel like, like because we just talked about understandably things to kind of slow down the anticipation a little bit. At the same time, he that's because year. we're talking about him. But the reality of it is, is that at the same time, if you are even a pretty significant prospect fan, I would wager right now you... Unless you're a Dodgers prospect fan, you probably aren't appreciating Cabert Ruiz enough because the thing about it is, is as you just said, a guy who began last year as an 18-year-old, who made it to high A, who is a career 330 minor league hitter as a catcher. As a switch hitting catcher. As a switch hitting catcher, who, again, and let me back up, who has been younger than anyone he's playing with pretty much every day he plays for the entirety of his career. And added power at the end of last season with Ranch Cucamonga and finished the playoffs with Double A Tulsa. What I'm saying is, is that this, this dude is a stud. And when you talk about, let's say that the defense, and there are the tools there defensively to be pretty good. But even, let's say, let's say they never develop. This is the Victor Martinez beginner starter set. This is the Carlos Santana starter set. Even if, even if the defense doesn't develop, there's everything here. Because, again, for a catcher to hit like he's hit, when you are doing all of the grind that is involved right. in catching, you're catching the bullpens. Because, again, this is not something he is spending a lot less time on his hitting than everyone else besides the other catchers on every team he's playing for. Because to be a young catcher, there is it is so much more physically taxing than to be a young outfielder, to be a young first baseman, to be a young shortstop. Just the simple job requirement as far as the hours that you spend doing stuff, that you are working on your stuff. But when you're on a minor league team, you're catching a lot of bullpens. You're 
You're doing, hey, we need you out here because we're working with this pitcher. You're in a lot of pitchers' meetings. You're doing a lot of the mental stuff. And he's on the while he's doing that, he's going out and hitting 315 or 330 wherever he goes. And right now the left-handed swing is better than the right-handed swing, but he makes good contact from the right-hand side. One of the coaches put it to me as it's sort of like he's playing pepper from the right-hand side. It's just a matter of really learn to get aggressive and confident with that side. And, but, but he can legitimately hit from both. There's no question. And... Again, just the natural maturation that comes with as you enter your 20s, right. which we won't see until well, 2019. He will, no, he'll 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 turn 20 during this season. Okay. So, but yes, he'll be it'll be more than halfway through the season before he turns 20. He is a 19-year-old who legitimately goes into spring training, a 19-year-old catcher who goes into spring training thinking at the worst, I'm going to high A. Right. And let's be honest, he'll probably be disappointed if he doesn't find out he's going to double A when the season begins. Because even though reality is, is he probably needs some more high A time, he did finish the season in double A and goes, hey, I, I know I can do this. So that's where it's going to be interesting because with the Dodgers and, and kind of going off of Cabert Ruiz, the Dodgers have, without question, no one else is in the conversation, the best collection of catchers of any farm system. Will Smith would be a top 10 prospect in a lot of other systems. Talk about elite defender. Hitting was a little shaky throughout the year, and part of it was because the Dodgers want him to focus on adding power, cost him some of his hit ability. Went up to double A, got hit by a pitch, broke his hand first game, but came back in the Arizona Fall League and raked. So and this, Will Smith is as athletic a catcher. Like, this is the guy who, and he's done it, you talk about, you know, this Play is the guy who can base. follow the Austin Barnes model of, by the way, I'm your catcher, and if you need a guy to play second base today, I can do that for you too. And the Dodgers he have did really, that, and he did that in college too. And the Dodgers have really tried to find that model of catcher. They did it with Austin Barnes. They've done it now with Will Smith. And they Con- need, they and, need to acquire Tony Walters and add him to and, the And Connor Wong was another guy they drafted this year in that vein. So they've got a lot of catching. You have Kyle Farmer, who made his big league debut last year. So right now, the Dodgers can afford to put Cabert Ruiz wherever he's ready to be put. Mm-hmm. Some of it, we'll see what they end up doing with Yasmani Grandal. The offseason isn't over yet. But if you, you know, even if Grandal gets traded, you can say, hey, we want, you know, Farmer to be our everyday guy in AAA to start. Will Smith, our everyday guy in AA to start. Ruiz, our everyday guy in high A to start. Wong, our everyday guy in low A to start. And then That's a legit moves. prospect at every level, and you have a legit starter at the big league level. Now again, if they traded, if they traded away Grunzal, which I'm not saying is a sure bet by any stretch, but let's say they did, then then Farmer probably becomes the backup, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think there's a couple ways they can go with it, but either way, it's a good position to be in. Um, and, and the other thing, you know, that just stands out with this system is, it still has a large number. It's mainly right-handers, but beyond Bueller. Mitchell White, Yadier Alvarez, Dennis Santana, Dustin May, uh, Jordan Sheffield. There, this is a system that has a number of very intriguing arms left in it. So obviously Yadier Alvarez was the guy who got all the attention uh, last year. We've talked at nauseum about him and his issues and why most evaluators, if not all, see him as a future high-leverage reliever. Maybe Kenley Jansen's heir apparent, but Kenley signed for a while, so we'll see how that comes out. Mitchell White, the biggest thing with him on his best days, he looks like a number two, 94-97 with sink and run, comes back. Yeah, great draft pick by them because this guy— Second rounder. 
Um, but again, some durability issues. He did pitch 115 innings in his draft year between uh, college and his pro debut, but he had Tommy John surgery in high school. This year broke his toe and just working out. It's a non-contact injury. And by the end of the year, his stuff was down. Some reports out of Instructs where he was all the way down to 88 to 92 as opposed to 94, 97 when he began the year. Mm-hmm. Keeping that durability is going to be key with him. Dustin, San- Dennis Santana, early in the year, a lot of coaches told me they thought he was better than Yadier Alvarez because he at least had a 94, 97 fastball with sink. A little more feel, too. A better slider, a little more feel. By the end of the year, the change started coming along, and it was interesting talking to people inside and outside the Dodgers system extensively. The top nine of this list were pretty much set in stone. You can maybe argue one guy flip here or there, but those were the top nine. That 10-11 group of Dennis Santana, Dustin May, I initially had May a little higher. Ultimately, as I got further along in the process, what came out was Dennis Santana began to show a change up at the end of the year in AA. And right now, you say, okay, in that case, he throws harder than Dustin May by, by a decent amount. His slider is equal to, if not better. And now he's got a better changeup because Dustin May's changeup is still very firm, very raw, higher level. You know, it, right. it, it, little, But now at the same time. Dustin May would be a top 10 prospect in 90, it's 80, 80% of other systems. Right. Again, the thing that just jumps out is, is that. I've got bad news if you are a fan of the Giants or the Rockies or the Diamondbacks or the Padres. The Dodgers not only have been the Goliath of this division five years now, but they're not, they show no signs of going anywhere. Now, again, injuries can always crop up, there's always things that can happen, but this is an organization that has an excellent big league roster that has depth at the big league level. We just talked about it. Yasmani Grandal. How many teams? How many teams out there does Yasmani Grandal right now at this moment? Are you saying he's just your everyday catcher and you're happy with it? Half easily. And we're talking even about his, with them. Even it's in like his down year. He's still better than a lot of other frames. Well, I mean, yeah. and in that case, you're saying with them, they're like, oh, you might trade him because you were paying him big league starter money to be a backup potentially. So that's the that that's the kind of depth we're talking about. When we talk about their outfield, Jock Peterson, for all the bad season he had, kind of came through in the playoffs. And there's still talent there. He just has some things to work. And out. again, you're talking about with them. And then Andrew Tolles was a was showing up for them pretty well. You know, a year when we're talking about this time last year, we're talking about Andrew Tolles as a great surprise for them who played in the big leagues. And now he's coming off of, you know, okay, well, you know, if he can make it back from that injury, and then you've got a Verdugo. This have, they have depth. We haven't talked about, again, we do not know. We hope, if you're a baseball fan, you should hope that Julio Urias, even if you're a Giants fan or whatever, we want young pitchers who have a chance to be great to have the opportunity to be great. We don't know if Julio Urias, you know, what is the timetable? Is he ever going to be able to make it back? We hope he can. But... That is, that was as good a pitching prospect as there was in baseball. And they lost him for pretty much the entire season. And they didn't miss a beat. I mean, that's, again, that's, this is just an, when you combine a smart organization that drafts well, that has a lot of money. And scouts uh, well internationally. And scouts well they, internationally they, 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 and they, develops. So with the international scouting, that to me is the final piece because they um, scouted, 
I don't know if poorly is the word, over aggressively, they were spending, they spent almost a quarter billion dollars on Cuban players, all of whom were terrible except for one. Yeah, so Puig. And a lot of these guys were terrible as soon as they showed up to the stage. You're like, really? They gave this guy no, X lot, money? A lot of these were like where Ben was saying when they signed him. I don't see that. So I think right now if you say, okay, they, the guys who were in charge of that are now gone. They have a new international director, Ishmael Cruz, who, you know, so far so good. He's one of uh, Yusnel Diaz's signing scouts, one of the guys who uh, – one of the burgeoning successful Cuban uh, Cuban outfielders. There's a lot to like there. I think it's going to be tough. And that's where, you know, the Rockies and Diamondbacks were obviously ascendant this year and had had fantastic years, both made the postseason, and both have rosters mm-hmm. you can look at and say, this wasn't the end-all, be-all year. They will have a chance to contend next year and probably the year after that. The Padres, obviously, a lot's being made about their great system. But all these teams, if you compare the Padres projected 2021 lineup, the Rockies projected 2021 lineup, the Diamondbacks projected 2021 lineup, with the Dodgers projected 2021 lineup, the Dodgers have the better lineup. Yeah. And it's it's going to be very, very difficult for and look, there are years where injuries happen, if who knows what, you know, if there's a blow up in the clubhouse and something crazy happens. I'm not going to sit here and say the Dodgers are winning the next, you know, they've won five straight division titles. They're going to win the next five. It's possible. I think they're probably in good shape too. Right. But it's, it's very hard. I mean, never the reality is, is when we say that, that happens about, you know, okay, the Braves, the Braves did, did with it a, with a uh, uh, year that there the, wasn't a title. The Yankees had a nice run. I want to say it was 90, because they didn't win 97, They because that was the Orioles year. So what, they won 98 to 08-ish? They somewhere. had a great run. And then so, you go back you go back in the ancient history, and the Yankees used to be, right. when, it was, when, so, when it was the pennant. I, I, was, I, and look, I'm not going to say the Dodgers are going to do that. But you look at everything combined, you say, yeah, they're in position, and that's a credit to you know their their management. That's a credit to uh, their minor league coaching staff, and we'll see if they can if they can uh, take that ex- extra level. I'll tell you oh. what, they would definitely trade one World Series victory for five division five more division tiles and falling short of one. Oh, and they would also give up. Uh, they, they would trade Walker Buehler for uh, one more week. <laughs> no, I mean they would. Yeah, so World they're, Series. They're, I mean, the reality of it is, is that their season they have unfinished business. And the other thing is, is that as great as this system is, and it's still very good, you do have to look at it. The thing that, to me, beyond everything else, is is Clayton Kershaw staying healthy because for for everything they have, back injuries are very tricky. Back injuries are tricky, and they do not have. Uh, they do understandably <laughs> when you have one of the best pitchers of the 21st century. They don't have another guy like that. If he goes down, then all of a sudden in the postseason they do not look nearly as interesting. Very, very true. But that is a uh, fun look at the Dodgers system. We're keep rolling along through the NL West here. Uh, we hope you're enjoying these Baseball America Prospect podcasts. We do want to remind you, again, you can order the Prospect Handbook, baseballamerica.com slash store. But also remind you, if you're enjoying these top tens, it's always a great time to subscribe to Baseball America. Online subscriptions are cheaper than you think. Take a look, baseballamerica.com slash store, or you can subscribe to the print magazine. And if you do that, you also get an online subscription, so you get everything that we do. You get the magazine, and as well as that, you also get access to all of our subscriber-only content online. We thank you if you already do that, because we do love our subscribers. For Kyle Glazer, I'm JJ Cooper. So long, everybody. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.